and I remember going to school and we were in the lunchroom. Yeah, I was like eight years old. There's all these like boys like exchanging Pokemon cards. And even at that age, I remember like looking at them being like, why are they acting like children? The answer is because they were. And so were you, but go on. And I just wanted to be like, hey, what does everyone think of that scene where like Bat Midler slaps Goldie? Like anybody who's with me, anybody? Hypothetically, boys, how would you get back at your ex-husband? Yeah. We're back again. Hi, this is You Made Me Queer, and I am your host, Trevor Campbell. This is my third episode of our initial trilogy of You Made Me Queer episodes released on Thursday, March 4th. Maybe you listened to them all in one day. Maybe uh, you have savored them over the course of the weekend. Either way, thank you so much for listening and supporting this new show, uh, which I am making by myself uh, in the basement. So um, it's great to have you here. I am very, very excited about my guest today, who is Philip Jeremick. Philip is a New York City-based comedian and writer who specializes in creating super weird, subversive, off-the-wall, and dark characters, including Australian weather girl Saturday Jones. That's a horrible Australian accent, uh, and one of my personal favorites, Aunt Glenda, who uh, always has lipstick smeared across her entire face. He also does a devastating Melania Trump impression, which he will mention in our conversation. Before moving to New York, Philip spent his formative years in Toronto, where he wrote and performed sketch comedy as part of the sketch comedy duo British Teeth. He also studied and performed at Second City, which you may have heard of. Most recently, Philip worked as a writer and correspondent on the Stephen Colbert-produced CBS pilot, Old News. Oh yeah! Prior to that, Philip performed in the 2019 CBS Diversity Showcase in Los Angeles. He has written and performed original sketches for CTV slash Comedy Network, has done three NBC showcases, has appeared on The Food Network, and has performed on stage in New York, Chicago, Toronto, Montreal, and Los Angeles, from coast to coast, one might say, when cross-continental travel was possible and we did not live in tiny little hamster wheels buried in the ground. Anyway, um, one correction about our conversation I'll make beforehand. We mention the uh, seminal 1990s film Sister Act, and I incorrectly said that the red-headed nun in Sister Act who is an actress named Wendy McKenna. Although the singing was done by Andrea Robinson, I said this actress was the same actress in Newsies who sings for her son, Patrick, who has become a Newsie, we are led to assume. That is, in fact, a completely different woman who belts her goddamn face off, and her name is Joanne Harris. So, Wendy McKenna, Andrea Robinson, Joanne Harris, you made me queer, and I salute you. Anyway... Here we go. Please enjoy my conversation with the one, the only, Philip Jeremick. You 
I'm sitting on the floor and my <laughs> computer and uh, microphone are on a piano bench. <laughs> New York, baby. You've made it. Dreams do come true. They really do. Are you like hunkered down for all of COVID? Oh, God, no. I've been riding the rails daily, <laughs> doing fucking everything. Just Times Square every day, every shaking day. hands. Every day, going to Times Square and shaking the hands of the people. <laughs> you are a greeter. You wear one of those janky off-brand Cookie Monster costumes. Yes. You know what's so funny about that is, you know, if you live here long enough, you realize that um, most of the costumed characters in Times Square are just like very small women uh, and so they take off their they're like tiny middle-aged ladies and they take off their giant masks and there's this tiny person inside and once I saw an Elmo that had a purse on the outside stop it <laughs> it was the that's best not day. the approved design I want to know the career path or maybe not career path but just how do you get one of those jobs I feel like it's word of mouth. Okay. No, I really do. It's they don't do like a cattle call. No, I feel like they all know each other. It's like it's like secret society sisters of the um, Yaya Elmo costume, sweaty Elmo costume. Exactly. It's so good to see you. I know our audiences can't see us, but we can see each other. We and let me tell you what you're missing. Philip uh, right now is in a two-piece bathing suit. Yeah. Uh, that leaves nothing to the imagination. It's true. And Trevor is wearing a coconut bra on his head and uh, just a string of pearls. Because <laughs> I'm keeping it classy. Both of those were poor choices because they're very noisy accessories. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> so for a podcast, really, you're just going <laughs> to... Yeah. Well, there's the pearls. <laughs> when I talk, I do a lot of... I kind of have like... um. A dream girl shimmy throughout. Oh, good, good. So it's, it's pretty loud. The other day, I was doing a character on some comedy show, and I had, it was like an older woman. And you know those, like, chains on glasses that, like, yes. hold them around your neck? So I had those on, and they were, like, really big gold chains. And there were all these comments, uh, you know, from viewers, and all that anyone cared about. I was like, oh, I thought it was such a funny character. I thought it went so well. And, but no, everyone was like... Wow, those glasses chains were really quiet. How did you do that? And I was like, the, the, that's it? That's it, you guys? <laughs> like the technical side of your, your of accessories. <laughs> How are you in New York? Do you have a green card? Are you there illegally? I am here legally. I have. I don't have a green card. I have a visa that I have renewed several times, which is very expensive. And so next time I need to... Stop doing that and get a green card, hopefully. So were you just like delaying? Well, I mean, you had a bit of a, our listeners may not know this, but the political situation in the United States was tense. For yes, a while. they may not know this. So let's say <laughs> that's right. It, it was. Yeah, it's so funny. Everyone, whenever I like go home and visit people, always they're like, do you have trouble crossing the border? I'm like, no, guys, I'm there legally. Why would I have trouble? <laughs> and no one get They're like, but I don't know. I'm like, no, like there's like papers in my passport. Like I'm not like, I don't have like a stick and bindle. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I do, but it's unrelated. That is my own choice. So I was born in Serbia. We like moved to Canada when I was like five years old. But anyway, I would go visit often in the summertime because we have a lot of relatives there and like I'm fluent and everything. But you, it's the same thing over there. Everyone has to carry this like ID card and I'm not, uh, I think I'm technically a citizen because I was born there, but like I'm not a resident. So when I, it's happened to me before where I've been stopped and asked for it and I'm like, well, I don't have it. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, 
Okay, do you guys not know the concept of like someone visiting from a foreign country? <laughs> like, I don't. How could I possibly have this? I don't live here. But they think you're just being a delinquent and trying to get out of showing your card. Yes. Ugh, what a backwards country. And I was like, here is my library card. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the URL to my YouTube channel. Have you heard of Aunt Glenda? <laughs> Aw, how nice of you. Even I myself have almost forgotten about Aunt Glenda. <laughs> <laughs> Impossible. I've known you. I mean, we'll get to go in more into other things. But since British Teeth Days, which I want to call your Chapter 2 origin story. Okay. Sure. Chapter one being Ryerson. Did you you went to Ryerson, right? I did. Uh, I went to Ryerson Theater School. That's in Toronto, um, Canada. And we met. So I don't actually remember when we met. I think it was at the Fringe Festival. It was. I was doing. Uh, I had a a pop up tourist trap gift shop. That's it. There was a, a, a like six foot tall pigeon involved. Yes, it was pigeon themed, which would go on to be the one true motif of my life. And you were there with Alana, your British teeth uh... comedy part. Yeah. Okay, so you went on to New York, and now you're still doing. You're killing it with the old comedy there. The uh, the pandemic has put a damper in that, but it's like there's always something, and even when there isn't, you can always you know make something happen. And you were doing like a lot of improv, right? Character sketch, like Upright Citizens Brigade. Exactly. Uh, characters, um, some stand up here and there, and then. And now I've been making these Melania videos um, because she's getting out. And I'm not by no means a free Melania person. She knew what she was getting. Listen, she's a trophy wife who got more than she bargained for. Like, you're going to be president now? She's like, I I didn't want this. But it's like, well, listen, girl, like, just go go through with it. Um, So, yes, I've been making some Melania videos. And then I have other projects on the horizon that are going to be like comedic food I was about to say food safety <laughs> videos. I don't know, which is not what it is, but that's very funny. No, food like cooking, like it's like a like a funny cooking show. What's funnier than food safety? <laughs> Do you remember those like shock value? Listen, w- sorry, international listeners, but we're going to talk a lot about our Canadian upbringing. Local jokes get local work, Philip. Careful. <laughs> Do you remember those like workplace safety ads that were just yes. nothing but shock value where the woman is like a sous chef and she's like, I just graduated culinary school. I'm embarking on an exciting career. What you're about to see could have been prevented. And she falls face first into a grease fire and like <laughs> screams <laughs> and as she's melting. I do remember. And it's supposed to be like scary and sad, but it was the funniest commercial. It was because the draw, the stakes were so high. Um, and I also remember thinking like that, like watching a horrible drama, like that's awful. I don't know what's my takeaway. Wear grip shoes. Like, how can I stop this? My, my takeaway is always this must have been fun on set. <laughs> Just getting to like scream to death in a in a simulated grease fire. Oh my God. I'm going to book her on this thing. Oh my God. If you can find her. That would be great. I bet you, you know what? It's six degrees of separation. Yeah, we could track her down. Uh, I do also want to, I mean, you're being modest. You talked a bit about some of the projects you're working on, not food safety. You said food comedy. I also want you to know I did a bit of research and there is a photo of you for sale on Getty Images from the 2019 CBS Diversity Sketch Comedy Showcase. And that photo cost $575. Oh, it went up. <laughs> so let me tell you what a vain piece of shit I am. Go on. In Yes, I did the 2019 CBS Diversity Showcase. 
I was the 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 gay white one. Um, and I was told they're like, this is probably the last year that just being gay is enough. Which I'm like, I guess that's what we want. Like, I guess that's the goal. Can you just wait five years for equality till I book my sitcom? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so it's this like months long event that you do in LA. I loved it. It was so much fun where you write and, and perform sketches and they're stayed. It's not televised um there it's in a theater anyway it's like a it's like a staged a broadway style stage show and you know casting directors agents etc come and i think we had like four or five nights of shows and like months of rehearsal so much fun anyway wow, there's crazy. a red carpet and you have to go like one at a time in front of the step and repeat and i'm like smiling and like i think i'm looking great and it was my first red carpet and then the images are online and i look like a, it was like a weekend at Bernie's situation where like I looked like a corpse that was being held up. I looked like pale and like not happy to be there to the point that like I saw the name of the photographer and emailed her and was like, would it be possible to remove this from Getty Images? Because I don't like how I look. I did it. And I even like, I was like dating a lawyer at the time and I was like, is it, am I allowed to send an email such as this and he was like yeah you can ask and she was very nice she's like i truly have no control over them once they're on getty right she sold that shit already so there's a couple good ones and they're mostly me looking like a like all the leeches in the world had sucked my blood (laughs) and then they were like okay now take a photo (laughs) no i will say you looked very uh polished and successful they were great photos would i spend over 500 dollars on one of them no Probably not. But listen, who's to say? We we barely started a conversation. Maybe by the end, I'll be so won over. I'll want one of those photos for my home. Well, you know the price. <laughs> that's how. That's that's my that's my worth. Five hundred dollars. <laughs> did they give you media training? Like, here's how to handle a step and repeat, or did they just no. throw you into the? Deep I think end? they assumed we would know, and some people did, and some people didn't. I would like to think that you nailed that showcase and then um showtime is like well let's book this guy why don't we just give a quick google before we do it and then they see that and they're like oh no well what i thought you were gonna say uh when you said you found a getty images uh so when i moved to new york in 2014 the very first job i ever did was some like british director was doing a stock photography shoot (gasps) and it was and I knew this at the time, but I was just bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and willing to take whatever work I could. I knew that these could be used in perpetuity for anything. Uh, because, you know, he was like, these are like literally like four Getty images. And it was a gay lifestyle shoot. So it was me and this guy like holding hands, walking by the water, us making a smoothie in our condo, us like showing off our new engagement rings like just like a cheesy lifestyle photo shoot for two hundred dollars flat <laughs> oh my god how long was the shoot how many hours um like a couple hours it wasn't long i mean i would have done it years years later one of those generic for sale getty images becomes a slightly cruel meme <laughs> there was this it was like last summer i got like 20 texts in a day they're like you're a meme you're a meme did you know you're a meme and i'm like what is everyone talking about and for anyone who's interested to know google three gays 
staring at each other or three gays looking at each other something like that wait who's the third gay i think the joke is like the person looking at the picture is the third one i get that's very oh turn the mirror back yeah and so it's just me and this guy just two little twinks standing in a in a jersey city bedroom fully clothed just standing there smiling as gays are wont to do (laughs) yes and there's nothing i can do about it and you know what that's fine you take that paycheck i love that because it could have been so much worse too right it's like gay conversion therapy now oh no they're now they're going to use it for that but the the funny thing is consistently every single like no one found the meme offensive they just found it extremely confusing everyone was like i don't i don't get it (laughs) what i was confused too it's dumb. Well, well, listen, maybe that goes directly into what we're here today to talk about. Uh, this podcast is called You Made Me Queer. And so, I mean, now we know so much of what makes people queer. But back when we were young, and especially in Serbia, where science is still nascent, one might say. <laughs> in its infancy. <laughs> and everywhere you go, it's just sundials full of beans. <laughs> we also know, thanks to science, a lot of things that make us queer. If you stand in the cold for a little too long, if you put too much honey in your tea, or uh, sell your stock photo to become a gay meme. <laughs> That's right. Sometimes it's out of your hands is, is the point. So, so what I want to know, and I want you to tell me this story now, if you go back in time, the moment when it crystallized, Philip, what made you queer? It's so funny that you ask this because I have a very specific answer for this. You know, people ask this all the time. They're like, do you know, like, do you know when you like knew that you were gay? Like you maybe didn't know what gay was, but like you knew it. And I'm like, absolutely. hundred percent. Yes. I was six years old and I was sitting on the couch in my parents' house in Toronto, and the annual Canadian Tire catalog had arrived. Now, American listeners, think of it as like a Lowe's home improvement situation. So it's not quite like Home Depot where they sell like raw materials. It's more like they sell like ceiling fans and camping equipment and like plants. Anyway, the Canadian Tire catalog, the big fat annual one, you know, right, Trevor? Oh my God, I know. And these were in the days when all catalogs were fat. The catalog era. So anyway, it arrived and I was so excited and I would immediately flip to the closest thing that a six-year-old can get to porn. And that is the camping section where the dads would be in like those tight, like like windproof clothes and stuff like that. <laughs> or, 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 you know, the, the, like when the family's all enjoying the inflatable pool in the backyard and you could oh see like God, yes. half of a naked dad. And I remember our, like one would arrive every year. So like I was six years old when this first happened. And then the next year I was like, oh my God, the Canadian tire catalog. And I would just flip to the, the backyard dads. They just made me feel a certain way down there. Backyard dads is the band I want to <laughs> either start or the concert I want to attend, more importantly. But that's funny because I would, of course, do that with those catalogs. Um, and we got a bunch like the Sears catalog was pretty golden, but I would go to the pajamas first. That's a great section too. Yeah, because they would wear the like the onesies too, sort of like the union suits. Yeah, if you yes, will. yes. Sears had yeah. Canadian Tire didn't have a pajama section, so but no, they had like a they did have a, a quite well executed beach section where it would be like you know like water sports, and I I use that term in its Christian sense, <laughs> actual water sports on the beach 
That's right. Like Jesus did. Anyway, and that's where you'd see like a dad in like big board shorts. And they were always <laughs> what I believed at the age of six and still believe to be true. The sweet spot, the perfect age for a man is like early 40s. That is when they are hottest. And that is every hot dad in those catalogs. They're always like between 39 and 42. And yeah. that's it. And my favorite crush, or my first, rather, my first crush, uh, and this just, it all fits together so, so seamlessly, was Steve Gutenberg, <gasps> circa It Takes Two, with Whoa. him and Kirstie Alley and the Olsen twins. Do you remember that movie? But he's a deep cut. Like, he's, he's like, dowdy dad. Well, he's dowdy now, but he hasn't aged well. But were he not a Hollywood, a B-list Hollywood actor, he would be a very successful Canadian tire dad model. Like Three Men and a Baby, Cocoon, all those weird, weird movies. He looked great. <laughs> They're all like um, birth-themed. <laughs> yeah. Cocoon, Three Men and a Baby, something that's being birthed. See, I just Googled Steve Gutenberg because I had a picture of him. Yeah, I think you're picturing someone else. I was picturing someone with round glasses which is wrong google like young steve Gutenberg or the police academy movies he was oh yeah and he he was like pretty fit there's a picture of him on some kind of beach situation really cute like adorable dorky face here's the sweet spot the dorky dad who is like obviously played football in high school and now he's just he's still jacked even though he's just at the end of that window that's what you want it is what you want it was two things it was the canadian it was the the beach sportswear camp dads in the canadian tire catalog that they are to blame for me being gay and the first wives club on vhs <laughs> the preferred medium so this first one was purely the the sexual animal inside six-year-old yes. um fresh fresh off the horny, boat from serbia horny child <laughs> perfect okay so that that was a animal instinct but then what about first wives club well, it came out in 1996 when I was eight years old. It's just very funny to me in retrospect that an eight-year-old child wanted like nothing to do with like any kind of toys or games. I was like, no, I want this movie about divorced middle-aged women getting back at their husbands. That's fun. And I remember going to school and we were in the lunchroom. Yeah, I was like eight years old. There's all these like boys like exchanging Pokemon cards. And even at that age, I remember like looking at them being like, why are they acting like children? The answer is because they were. And so were you, but go on. And I just wanted to be like, hey, what does everyone think of that scene where like Bette Midler slaps Goldie? Like anybody who's with me? Anybody? Hypothetically, boys, how would you get back at your ex-husband? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh and you'd get the shit kicked out of you. I actually, I never did. Good. I somehow never did. I had another friend. I often remember this line. It's so good. I was in the seventh or eighth grade. So like, I guess like 12 or 13 years old. And I was friends with this guy, Andrew, who was like the other like super gay kid in the class. And there was this school bully and he, Andrew and I are walking up the stairs and he's like, he goes up to Andrew and he's like, you Faggots, I'm going to beat you up after school. And Andrew just went, ugh, I don't have time to be beaten up. <laughs> that, that's it. I, and I, I don't have time to be beaten up. Like, I'd love to help you out. I would if I could because I'm already a humanitarian. 
God bless him. I wish he was in that meme with you. I know. First of all, if you're not familiar at First Wives Club, this is Goldie Hawn, Bette Midler, Diane Keaton, uh, the original Holy Trinity, when all three are gathered, a, a pink pantsuit appears in their midst. <laughs> yes. Had you like seen a trailer? Like how did you I find out? I think, no, movie? I remember how I discovered it actually. We had, my parents had, they were friends with this rich family who had pay-per-view. Remember pay-per-view? Of course. Now we could not afford to pay per view, but they could. <laughs> and I was, we were at their house and it was just on pay-per-view. And like, we watched it one day, me and like the, the other kids, like the family, yeah. friends, children. And they were like, this is And they were like, boring. this is boring. And I was like, who Goldie Hawn? Hello? What? And I remember this is this is all the scientific proof we need that gay people are smarter. Because I remember as a eight-year-old watching that movie, there was not a single thing I was confused about. And it's <laughs> yes. a very fun, it's a very sophisticated, funny plot. Uh, you know, there's like a lot of like financial ruin that they force upon these men. If everything made sense to me, I was like, yep. She's repossessing that Lamborghini and she's going to resell it. And then they're going to take this money and start a charity. And it, it everything made sense and it was hilarious. Yeah. The stakes were clear. It's not just about revenge. It's also about empowerment. Maybe we throw in a blazer with shoulder pads. Who's to say? Who's to say? Well done. So that was not obviously... Well, I were there hot guys in that too? Was there a sexual element to that? I don't think there's a single hot guy in that movie. Um, there's a lot of, it's full of actors whose names you don't, like the women are all A-list celebrities, but then the male, uh, Victor Garber is a name. All right, CanCon. Gay Canadian. Is he gay? He is gay. For shame, Victor. Listen, when you have three middle-aged women, who needs a hot man? Now, did you project yourself onto one of these Goldie characters? Hawn. Was it Goldie Hawn? Always. Yes. Of course. She was untouchable. Like 80s comedy. Yes. Goldie Hawn's amazing. What's that movie she's in where she goes to the dance class? Uh, House Sitter? Yes. You know, that's... I was going to say this earlier and then we lost track. The last time we like actually saw each other in person and I was like, I'm coming over and we're watching my favorite movie. Oh my God, I loved it. I still remember that dance scene. Yeah, so funny. The greatest movie of all time, House Sitter. But what, I want to know, like, what appealed to you about that? What do you think, how did that ring the bell in your head? That's a good question. I think there's just something about middle-aged women with an opinion that gay male children, like, there's an osmosis. There's, there's like, we mesh into each other. There's something just clicks. Yeah. Actually, thinking about it now, my... My parallel track would be at that time on VHS might have been Whoopi and Sister Act. Oh, classic choice. She was the one like opinions, please. She has an opinion about everything. I think that's what I think like I think queer children, especially gay boys, just really um I think I don't I'm look, I'm not I'm not a psychiatrist. <laughs> but I will throw an opinion that makes it sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I just feel like a figure that is like maybe like a like a that is maternal, but that's like a like a fun, opinionated version of a mother figure. Like that's just what gay kids like click with. It's like you could be my mom, but you're cooler than my mom and you're funnier than my mom. And she doesn't (laughs) dress this way. And it's just yeah. And I don't know. I just feel like when you're when you're a gay child, male role models are 
dull. They're just boring. Like, and I feel like too at that age, like like the straight men. It was a combo of like us not wanting to tag along with what they're doing. Like, I'm going to the the Argonauts game, or you want to come, or something like that. And you're like, go fuck yourself. But then also, uh, they don't really want you to go. But the women of that age. Like they're the they're the gatekeeper into that world and they want to take you with them. So it's like the Goldie Hawn would be like, hey, six year old Philip, like, yeah, hop in the car. Let's go uh, screw with my ex-husband. Play with the inside of my purse. <laughs> Whatever you find, keep it. Keep it. All the quarters. So my trifecta would have been then Whoopi, Kathy, Jimmy, and the red haired one who can sing really well. Yes, the little one. I don't know that actress's name. No, and it's funny because she was also the scene stealer in Newsies who comes out singing for her son on the cart. And I think she's a nun in that one, too. Oh, that is her. Oh, also, I have to mention this. Get ready to be very jealous. <laughs> Perhaps the greatest thing of living in New York is my annual run-ins with Kathy and Jimmy. Stop it. For the past three years in a row, in a completely different part of the city, once a year, like clockwork. What are the locations? Where has this happened? Okay, the last time was on my birthday. <laughs> there is a god. There is. And that god is Kathy and Jimmy. So <laughs> can I, you tell me the first two locations. I want to try and guess okay. the third location. Okay, well, I just told you the most. Oh, no, I didn't. You didn't. <laughs> I just said it was on my birthday. Wait, you want to know the first two? Yeah. Okay. And then I'll guess where you were on your birthday. Okay, sure. Okay. okay. So the first one was on the street in the West Village. They were all like on the sidewalk. The second time was um, like by the Flatiron Building at 23rd and Broadway. Okay. So for the third one, it was your birthday. So you were queuing in line outside the TGA Fridays. I wish. You wish you could get a table there. It was a COVID birthday. So <gasps> I had to be safe and socially distant. So it was Central Park. Oh, bless. So was she masked? Uh, yes. And I was, it was night. So we did like a daytime, just like picnic hangout in the park. And Aww. as we're leaving the park, we're on Central Park West. So I'm like, maybe she lives there because she just like showed up in a house coat because this is what was happening. We're leaving the park, me and my gaggle of gays. And then there's another gaggle of gays also celebrating a birthday on the same day. And they were just like, lighting can't like they had a cake on a bench and they were lighting the candles and they were starting to sing and kathy showed up to that Stop. party how old was that gaggle were they were they her age no they were like our age and i was <gasps> like who are you people and why am i not part of this friend group <laughs> and i wanted to be like kathy it's my birthday too but i was like no she's here to see her actual friends i'm not gonna be a an obnoxious piece of shit. She's not just going out to birthdays. <laughs> She's like, well, it's time for me to walk down the street and look for gay people whose birthday it is. Look for a candle sticking out of a cake and then just join in. Just as we're leaving, they're, you know, lighting all the, the candles on this cake. And it looks like she had just made it in time because as she turned the corner, they were like, oh my God, hi. And she was like, happy birthday. And I was like, wow, could you... Could you imagine? I've never seen Kathy and Jimmy not sing like that nun, though, who was famously shrill. Did she sing like that? I mean, she was drowned by like a bunch of gays uh, who were all. I'm sure they were. They were all belting. The first time I ran into her, I was in the West Village and I had just turned a corner, and she was walking down the street with a friend, and 
like I've run into A-listers and no offense, Kathy. Um, and I just like, I do not give a fuck. Kathy, we are so sorry. You are an A-list. In our gay hearts, you are. But I mean, like Nicki Minaj once, I was walking through Times Square for some reason. And there were like suddenly this like big hubbub and everyone's like, oh my God, oh my God. And I just see like- And the Elmo took off its head and it was Nicki Minaj. <laughs> was, I imagine. <laughs> anyway, everyone was freaking out. I'm like, no, no, no. Give me Kathy and a Jimmy or give me nothing. Absolutely. So I'm, I turn a corner and I was just so starstruck because I saw her face and I was like, oh my God, uh, Hocus Pocus, my childhood. And I think she realized, I mean, I'm sure she knows the face of a gay that recognizes her. A hundred percent. And so I turned the corner and I audibly gasped and <laughs> smiled. I went, <gasps> and she just like gave me a knowing look and smiled oh, and like gave me a little wave. I love that. Because she knows she's an icon. Yeah. She's like, oh, this, here's a gay person who was a child in the 90s. I know that they know me. If not from Hocus Pocus, certainly from Veronica's Closet. <laughs> oh my God. I, th- I don't know what I would do. But if I had time to think about it and respond appropriately, I would probably salute and say thank you for your service. <laughs> and that's the perfect thing to say. And that's it. Did you see Christmas on the Square, the latest no. Dolly Parton spectacular? No, but I heard about it. Is this not the one where she plays some sort of street urchin? Yes. Dolly Parton plays a street urchin and Christine Baranski plays the Christmas villain, a role she was born to play. And Jennifer Lewis is in it and she is plays the... Um, town hairdresser slash former mayor and leave it to dolly it was the most diverse cast i've seen in a while and full of gays she knows where that paycheck's coming from exactly and apparently she saved a child on set there was some (laughs) like like craft services truck like zooming past and this little extra was there and dolly just like grabbed her it was going to be like the food services video with that big thing of grease. Exactly. And they saved that kid. So to, to double back, what that woman needed was Dolly Parton to be on her work site. She needed Dolly Parton to be working in that kitchen. <laughs> That's the takeaway. We need a Dolly or Dolly adjacent type personality in every restaurant in America. Yeah. Listen up, Biden Harris. Uh, so, Philip, now, before we say goodbye, we're going to play a game. Do you want to play a game? Oh, always. Okay. This game is called Queer, Queerer, Queerist. Love it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three things, and you have to put them in order and rank them from least queer to most queer and tell me why. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Pop-Tarts. Mm-hmm. The yodeling game on Price is Right. Okay. Do you know that game? No. <laughs> so it's like um sort of an alpine uh, ramp. And there's a little sort of yodeler going up, yodeling the whole time, hitting different prices. And the contestant has to yell stop when it hits the price without going over it. And if it goes too far, he falls off the cliff at the top. And he's wearing like a little lederhosen and a, a green felt hat. Okay, to order, to, in order to properly answer this, I just need to Google image this because okay. I've seen... You'll know this. The price is right many times. I don't recall this. Oh! You know it. Yep, yep. Okay. Yep. So picture that, Pop-Tarts, that game. Number three, half necklaces that fit together. Like with a magnet? Well, maybe, who knows? Uh, Each person has half of the necklace for whatever dynamic you choose, and the necklaces fit together to make a shape. Least queer to most queer. Wow, you chose this alone could take three hours. Uh, And should, it should. (laughs) It should. Wow, okay, I'm gonna say most queer... Queerest, queerest necklace that attaches. I'm doing it backwards. Queerer, 
Pop-Tarts. Okay. And queer is the Yodel Man. Bold. Why? Okay. I feel that he was created by a straight man <laughs> to, like, amuse his his grandchildren. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, no, I'll buy it. For, I mean, he always personally read queer to me, that little singing uh, man on the mountain. I mean, I think that that fictional no, cardboard yours. character has impregnated real human women. Okay, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> that cartoon has slept with human females. There are children okay. out there. <laughs> Pop-Tarts are like exceptionally queer and it was very hard between that and the necklace. But I mean, the, the, they are the, the gay icons of food. A specific flavor or all Pop-Tarts? I mean, all of them, they all have like, they all had like a Saved by the Bell motif. You know, it was like purple and <laughs> pink true. and like squiggles. Except the s'mores one, which is the only one I like. That's a man's Pop-Tart. <laughs> that's that's me. It smells like Dracar Noir. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that they, like, they're, they just come out of that package. They're perfect. They're ready to go. Like a queer person always is. You want us at room temperature? You want us hot? We can, <laughs> hey, no worries. We got this. And, and there's, and you know, Pop-Tarts have a hard exterior, as do all queer people <laughs> that's right and then you break them in half and it's just like hot goo hot goo years of of repressed hot goo delicious pain and trauma okay so that's a that's a queer breakfast yeah. dessert and the necklaces are queerest because i'm just gonna go ahead and say it the only humans on earth that buy those like you know, best friends or whatever jewelry that you like two people join together is like theater girls or gays. Who else? It's true. With one one exception, and that was one time I watched Rescue 911. Okay. Uh, about two, I think they were either best friends or twin brothers who both got struck by lightning and then to commemorate it got uh, lightning bolt necklaces that fit together. Wow. But that is... I think something happened to their brains when they got struck. <laughs> Probably. Turned them gay. <laughs> it turned them gay. They got those necklaces the next day. Got a little stud put in at Claire's. And uh, Kathy and Jimmy's your uncle. Yeah, I feel like that is the clearest. And I also just love the idea of like, I don't know if this is actually how it happens in the factory. I'm sure they actually make the two pieces separately. But I love the idea of like it being made as a whole and then just like cut in half. There's a, <laughs> there's a darkness to that 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 queer people will understand. <laughs> I, I like, here's that. a perfect piece of jewelry, cut it in half and sell That's it right. for twice as much. And each half they sell to like a different part of the United States. <laughs> I love the idea of that job. Best friends. Here's the best <laughs> pile. Here's the friends pile. And every time he or she is about to strike it, someone has to yell, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole process. This is a, Perfect segue. I have a friend, another gay Philip with an F. There are at least two of us in the world. <laughs> you guys should have necklaces. Well, we have something better. We were at a gay nightclub in Serbia in the early 2000s. Oh, God. And we were so, like, beyond drunk. And the the tiles in the bathroom, they were kind of, like, falling off the wall. They, like, the it, their, their grout was weak, okay? <laughs> Serbian science. Serbian science. Listen, not known for our grout. Uh, <laughs> and so, and there were these, like, periwinkle. It was really, like, pretty periwinkle shade. And we were wasted. And there was this loose tile. And I was like, well, let's take this as, a, like, a souvenir. And so our drunk asses grabbed a half 
falling off tile off a bathroom wall in a nightclub. And then he was spending the night, like I was staying with my grandmother and the next morning we're so hungover and we're like, what are we going to do with the tile? There's only one. And he says, you could not get gayer. He says, let's break it in half and throw it off your grandmother's balcony just like Rose through the necklace in Titanic. Oh my, and when you said that, Kathy and Jimmy had a chill go up her spine. And she was like, something's happening in Serbia. (laughs) And so that's what we did. We're like, that's the fairest way. So I don't even remember what we used, but we went on my grandmother's like fifth floor balcony in her apartment in Belgrade. And Philip, other Philip, he was like, remember in Titanic when Rose throws it, she makes this little gasp. She goes, ah. And so we're like, okay. So each grabbed a tile half and just went, ah. And threw it off the balcony. That's beautiful. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say you made them necklaces because the tile sounds so big. They would be like flavor flav, <laughs> like huge dangly on big old jagged tile cutting into your <laughs> chest. I want to end on that image because that to me is the perfect cinematic climax. Oh, also, I'll have you know, Periwinkle was my favorite crayon when I was a It's uh, a great child, color. Which was, uh, I think, one of the many things that made me gay. So that's where I'm going to leave us. Philip, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, follow at Melania Book Tour on Instagram. Also follow Mr. Philip, M-I-S-T-E-R-F-I-L-I-P on Instagram. That's that's really where I where I live. I don't care for Twitter, TikTok. It's too fast for me. It's too fast. Please follow him on both of those things. Uh, they are very funny. The Melania videos, I don't know if it's the Serbian fluency or what, but this feels like a moment that you have seized and you were going to ride all the way to the 2021 Diversity Showcase. Round two, get your revenge, First Wives Club style, on that Getty Image Photographer. Thank you so much. And see you soon, Kathy and Jimmy. And thank you, Trevor, for having me. This was so much fun. I do want to thank you, Philip, because not only did I have fun today, but uh, you now have made me queerer. Great. You are a (laughs) Pop-Tart. I should be so lucky. Okay, stay safe. Bye. Okay, thank you so much, Philip. And that is our show. No, you made me queer mailbag today. Just a reminder, though, you can send in your own story of who or what made you queer, and we and I, we, the royal we, might read it on the show. More information at our website at youmademequeer.com or email youmademequeer at gmail.com. As always, if you liked this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. I will beg you every time until you do it, and it's because I love you. If there's something you want to hear on the show, please email me at youmademequeer at gmail.com. And now, roll credits. You Made Me Queer is created, produced, and edited by me, Trevor Campbell. Our theme song is by Critty. For more of her music, check out lavenderbruisers.bandcamp.com. Our website is youmademequeer.com. Our Instagram handle is at youmademequeer. New episodes of You Made Me Queer come out every Thursday, but for our debut month, we will also be releasing new episodes every Monday. Too much is not enough. Okay, until next time, remember, we're here, we're queer, and it's your fault.